Hello and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so and I'll give you a Daf or so. We are two days before Rosh Hashanah. Things are getting serious. Things are getting real, as you know the kids say, kind of. I am just wishing you all an amazing year. I'm tempted to say couldn't be worse, but every day brings new horrors, so who knows? Hopefully there will be some moments of joy and refuge, and hopefully learning Torah will contribute to that joy. Let's dive in. We are on 41A, Mem Aleph Ahmed Aleph, at the Mishnah, two lines down, in the sit-out of the page that was first popularized by the widow and brothers Ram, lo these 150 years ago or so. Okay, Matznitin. Any chazaka, right? Any claim to ownership that doesn't have a claim behind others, any act of stating that I, any act of owning chazaka, any assumption of ownership that doesn't have behind it a story, a tana, a claim, which is basically a story, a narrative, is not considered a claim of ownership. Ketzad. Amarlo, so what does this mean? And uh, actually, some of the manuscripts don't have the Ketzad, though Ketzad fits in a lot here. Amarlo, ma ata oseh betoch sheli, v'hu amarlo, shelo amarli adam davar me'olam, eina chazaka. If one person says to another person, what are you doing here? What are you doing in my in my stuff, in my property? Right, that's the Hebrew of the Aramaic that we're really familiar with. My bait Baha'i Ara. What are you doing in my property? And he says, nobody told me anything. But if he says, why am I here? I'm here because you sold it to me or you gave it to me as a present or your father sold it to me or your father gave it to me as a present. That is a chazakah. Why? Because there is a story behind the chazakah. Again, there is a story behind the chazakah. Ownership is a relational event. And if I don't have a story which tells me how I am related to you or to the property and how the property stands between us, then I have no standing. But if somebody comes on the property and says, well, I inherited it from my father, so then he doesn't need a claim. He doesn't need a narrative about how his father got the property because apparently the Rosh Bambi tells us that a person is not liable to know his father, the story of his father's property. Okay, so just uh, one aside, the Ketzad here is, if we go with the version that has Ketzad, then that means that what's coming afterwards is explaining the first line, right? Kol that any Chazakah that doesn't have with it a, a narrative is not a Chazakah. And then if he says to him, what are you doing in my property? And he says, nobody told me anything about it, then that's not a Chazakah, is explaining what Chazakah without a Tana is. If we don't have it, then this is just another version, another case, right? So we have one case, any Tana, and then we have this other type of case or a subcase of a person who says, nobody told me the opposite, right? Now, why would you have that? Because that could be, one might have thought that that was a claim, right? I'm sitting here for, for three years, I'm sitting here for a while, and nobody said anything to me. So I figured it's mine. I'm a squatter. There are some squatters, rights, But here, apparently this Mishnah, well, this one, we've talked about this before, but this Mishnah is coming in 
to narrow the scope of squatters' rights. Um, and then some of the manuscripts only have shemachartali shenatatali b'matana, and not avicha machrali avicha natnali b'matana. Only has the first two of those. Um, and the second two, you sold it to me, you gave it to me in a, as a present. And then the second two is your father sold it to me, your father gave it to me as a present. It's just the same claim, just one order higher. And that's not in some of the manuscripts. And then we have Yerusha, which is kind of a an inclusio, which it comes and says, as opposed to most cases, where if there is no claim, if there's no narrative, there's no understanding, explanation of how you came to be in this property, then... It's not considered a chazakah. Inheritance doesn't need anything. Inheritance, you just say, I inherited it. You don't have to say how your father got it or whoever you got it from. Okay. So you start with the Gemara. Pshita. So that's that's obvious, right? If you have a chazakah, which is no narrative, you're just like sitting on a piece of land and saying it's mine. It's obvious that it's not yours. Mauditema. So what would we have thought, or what is the what is the claim? Now here, the version that we're going with is actually different than the first than the printed version. There's a lot of differences in the manuscripts, and most of those differences have to do with cutting down with being a, with being a, a much more sparse version and to the point. So I'm going to read it. And I'm going to say say one one thing about why I'm doing it this way. Hi Gavra Mizban Zabnale Vishtara Habalei Irkas. There was a guy who bought something, the assumption is property, and he had a deed, and he lost it. Sabar, so he thought, If I say that I bought it, then they'll tell me, show me your deed. And uh, he didn't have the deed because he lost the deed. Therefore, we should say to him, we should think, that he might have had a star and it lost and he lost it. So therefore we, we would say to him, perhaps you had a perhaps you had a deed and you lost it. And that would be like this is quoting a verse from Proverbs, part of a verse from Proverbs. The whole verse is Ptach Eldin Open your mouth for the mute. And for the for justice of all transient beings, right, of all who are bnei chalov here today and gone tomorrow, but this is this p'tach pichal ha'ilaim is a principle which is trotted out infrequently. But to say that we, the court, perhaps should make a claim on your behalf, on your behalf, on the behalf of a litigant who doesn't make that claim, the same thing in the case of Prusbol in Gittin. Prusbol is a document which allows for various different reasons, and it's a little complicated to understand, but allows one to collect a loan even after the seventh year when the lo- when all loans are, are, are forgiven or wiped out. And there, also, the when somebody comes to court to try to collect the loan after the seventh year, there is the the the, the claim is is raised. Perhaps p'tach pichala ilaim. Perhaps we should claim for him. Maybe you had a prusbol. Okay, so here the Gemara goes on. Kamash Malan, the Mishnah teaches us that no, we don't make the claim for him. We don't open up his mouth for him. If he doesn't say anything, then ena chazaka. It is not a. It is not a chazaka. Okay, so now this is a, as if you've been following along in the 
edition produced by the Widow and Brothers ROM or any of the other editions which come out of that, you see that this is a much more, a much sparser version of that. And this is just, uh, gives me an excuse to talk about Jona Frankel, who is one of the great Tommyists of the 20th century, who was one of the great innovators in that he brought literary theory in a very explicit way into the study of Agadah. There's a lot to say about Jonah Frankel. Most of the time when you see people who will teach in Agadah, especially Israelis who went through Hebrew University, who that means people of a certain age, like my age, meaning old, and they teach in a very literary way, they are influenced by either directly or indirectly Jonah Frankel's method, in which he was very influenced by literary, theor by literary theorists, by the new criticism, looking at a story or a poem in and of itself, trying to figure out what his genre is and all kinds of other things. But one of his, and the reason I, I bring it up, the reason I, I am reminded of it here is because one of his claims is that when you look at a story, the first thing you do is you, you look at all the manuscript versions and you choose your version based on the story, which is the tightest, right? Which is the sparsest. Now, Part of the reason that one might do that is because rabbinic writing is based in a large part on biblical writing. And biblical writing is a very sparse type of writing, which is um, motivated, which is moved forward by the use of verbs, that there's a lot of front and not a lot of back. So this comes to mind because I am, on the one hand, influenced by Jonah Franklin the way I think about Agadah, even though I disagree with him in a number of ways. But I also... Uh, in going through the manuscripts on these on these ma'asim in this sugya, it became clear that actually the manuscripts present a version which is much more spare than the version that we have in the printed edition. Okay, so we can go on. So now, as kind of an introduction, now that we've gotten off the just the straightforward daf, this sugya is an interesting sugya. Sugi that's made up of four ma'asim, which is also why I was put in mind of Yonah Prakal. And each ma'aseh, well, the, it's like one, then two, then one. So this first ma'aseh, right, which is the answer to the question, Pshito is actually the answer to the question, what does the first line of the Mishnah mean, right? The, what does the first line of the Mishnah mean? And the coming out of a reading of what is a chazakah, which doesn't have a narrative. And the answer is we may assume that even if the guy doesn't make a claim, he might have one or she might have one, right? Even if the person does. And then we answer, no, Kamash Malan, the Mishnah comes to tell us that no, we don't make a claim for a person who doesn't make his own claim. Okay, that's the first Masa. Now we'll go to the second Masa, which is a Masa of Rav Anan. Um, Rav Anan, Shakal Bidkab Ari. So Rav Anan was a, a miscane, right? He, unfortunately, a, his, his, his land was flooded, as we're seeing nowadays in these um, United States. On the other coast, there's a lot of a lot of that going on. Um, so his land was flooded. A torrent came through. Shakal bidka A torrent came through his land. So the, and and what it did was it wiped out the border markers. Azal hadar guda So when he rebuilt the wall around his land, around his his field or his land, he put the wall in his fellows and his neighbors' property. He gained a little property afterwards. 
So he went, literally the grammar is, he went in front of Rav Nachman. Why would he go in front of Rav Nachman? He's probably sued, brought in front of Rav Nachman, or the case came before Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman said, give him back his land. I mean, you can't just take his land. So he answers, He says, no, but I'm, I'm a, a muxak, right? It's now my land. Why is it now your land? Well, we'll see in a minute. Amrlei, come on. So Rav Nachman says, really? How is it your land? And he says, So why? Because we it's like Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yishmael who say that anything that I do in front of the, the previous owner is considered a chazaka. Right? In other words, if I am on what used to be your land or what might still be your land, and I build a gate around it, in front of you, you're standing there. So Rabbi and Rabbi Shmuel say that's immediately a chazaka. Why? Because you didn't protest. What do you think I was doing? I was building a gate. What do you think I was building a gate for you? And we had a, a sugya like that before. But I built a gate around it, right? We had the sugya that had to do with if somebody has a property and then they're they're another person has properties all around it, and then he builds a gate. Does the person inside have to pay for it? That's a little bit different. But here, if I build a gate around the property. Right in front of you, or I harvest the property in front of you, and you don't say anything. So that's immediately a chazaka, according to Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yishmael. It's interesting. The the manuscripts, some of the manuscripts have Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yossi, who's a Tana. Rabbi Yehuda is probably it might be the Amara. If it's Rabbi Yishmael and Yossi, it might be a Tana. It might both be a Tana. It might be Tanaim. Right? Let Tilchasoi answers. Rabbi Nachman answers him. Let Tilchatakivatayu. The halacha is not like them. Right? Why are you bringing a, why are you bringing a proof from Rabbi Yehuda and Yishmael? The halacha is not like them. We don't hold that. Amar So Rav Anan came back and said, V'ha achil da'ata beguda bahadai. Right? So he says, no, this is different because he actively gave up on his ownership. Machal, he forgave his ownership. He repealed his ownership. Why? Because he came and helped me building the wall. He helped me building the wall. He said, no, that doesn't make any sense. Um, Rav Nachman says, because that is a mistaken mechila, a mistaken forgiving of his own ownership. Why? Right? You, if you would have known that that was a mistake, you would not, I'm assuming, Rav Nachman says, I'm assuming that you would not have put up the wall, right? You would not have done that because it would be stealing and you didn't do it on, you didn't want to do it on purpose. Right? So just like you didn't know what you were doing, he didn't know what he was doing either. So you can't count that the, the action that he didn't know what he was doing as a real mechila, as, as giving up his ownership. So therefore, you have to give back his land and you are not machzik. You're not holding it. Gemara immediately comes into another case of Amoraim behaving badly. Rav Kahana, Shekel Bidkabare, Rav Kahana also, unfortunately, a torrent of rain came through his land and washed out the uh, border markers of his land. Azal Hadar Guda Ba'ara Daladide. So he went and built land, built a, a wall in land that wasn't his. Atala Kamir de Rav Yehuda came in front of Rav Yehuda. The case came in front of where he was dragged in front of Azal Aiti Tresadi, but he brought two witnesses, Aal, Aal. So he said to him, 
Uh, and so those two witnesses that were brought said, one said that he had expanded his field by two rows, and one said by three rows. He expanded his field by three rows. So the question now is not, right, building on the first quest, building on the first case, more or less, um, that you can't do this, right? You can't just randomly expand your field. The question is now, what does he have to pay? Amrle Zil Shlim Tarte Migotlat. So he said to him, so Yehuda said, you have to pay two out of three, right? That's the compromise. You have to pay two out of three rows. Amrle Kaman. So Rav Khanna challenged him and said, who is that like? Right now it's the it's the litigant who's challenging the judge. He says, Kerb Shimon ben Elazar. This goes according to Shimon ben Elazar. The Tanya says in a breakdown, I'm Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Okay, so now we're going, we have to keep focus because we're, 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 this is like an interruption. I'm Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar. Lo nechlaku beit shamayu beit hilel al shtei kitei edim shachat umeret mana vachat umeret matayim sheish b'chla matayim mana. So Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, beit shamayu beit hilel did not dispute about a case in which you have two sects of witnesses, two pairs of witnesses, that one says that he owes him a hundred, and the other says that he owes him two hundred, because included in two hundred is one hundred. So then they both agree on the one hundred, right? So if you have two sets of witnesses, so this is right. The question is always there's a question if you have two sets of witnesses that testify differently. About and uh, about about a matter, and we actually had the Gemara cited this a little bit earlier. Uh, if you have two sets of witnesses who testified about a matter, then uh, the question is whether or not th- th- then it could be that those two witnesses knock each other out of the park because they're testifying to two different things. So here in this case, Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel both hold that that's not the case because within two hundred is one hundred. So Almal Nechaku. So what did Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel actually dispute about? Alkat Achat Shachadomer Mana Achadomer Mana Achadomer Matayim. That you have one set of witnesses. And one of the witnesses says that um, she owes a hundred, and the other set of witnesses says she owes two hundred. Shebeit Shammai Omrim Nechlaka Edutan, because so Beit Shammai says that that actually is in one set of witnesses that's considered divided witnesses. Beit Hillel Omrim Yesh Bechalmatayim Mana, and Beit Hillel says that within two hundred is one hundred. Okay, so meaning that the witnesses are not divided. So therefore, here, going back to our case, when you have one witness who says that Rav Kahana expanded his land by two rows, and another witness who says Rav Kahana expanded his land by three rows, so therefore you can catch, you can accept both testimonies in order to make him pay, or in order to make him return two rows, right? Like, because that's what Beit Hillel says. According to Rav Shimon Lazar, Amar Lay. So this is, and this was the way that Rav Yehuda was justifying his ruling against Rav Kahana. So Amar Lay, Rav Kahana answers him back. Vamaitina lach igarta mimarava de'ein halacha Rav Shimon Lazar. Says, but I'm bringing you a letter from Marava from the West, meaning from Eretz Yisrael, that the halacha is not like Rav Shimon Lazar. So Rav Kahana says, no, you have to wear Shimon And Rav Kahana is known as somebody who went back and forth from Babylonia to Palestine, from, from Babel to Israel. And he says here, I'm bringing you a letter that the halacha is not like Rav Shimon Lazar. So therefore, meaning that therefore the, the witnesses, 
you don't have two witnesses because they conflict. So, uh, Rabbi Yehuda possibly very wisely said, all right, when the letter comes, then, uh, you know, then we'll change. Then we'll see. But so far, there's no letter. So I don't know if actually what you're saying is what you're saying is true. This week's podcast is brought to you by Choni the Circle Maker. Is your business in a rut? Are you looking for an angle? Want a way to pull in some extra bucks? Well, you've come to the right place. Choni is a real rainmaker. No, seriously, he'll make it rain like you've never seen. I'm talking raining buckets, big buckets, pouring, flooding. Come to Choni if you want to hire someone who's going to really make it rain. Choni at www.notametaphor.com. Really, not a metaphor. Okay, so these two masim are totally parallel, right? In the beginning, right? You have Rabbanan and Rav Kahana, both had torrential rains. They both went to a post One went to Rabbanan, went to Rav Nachman, and Rav Kahana went to Rav Yehuda. There was a dispute there in the halacha, although it's turned around that Rav Nachman is disputing Rabbanan's claim that there's a chazakah, and in the second case, it's the judge it's, uh, who's, who, who makes a claim and gives a, a psak, and then Rav Kahana disputes that, and the judge comes back on him and tells him, uh, no, uh, I don't have to listen to your claim that the halacha is not the way I said, because you don't have any proof of that. Right, so it's about a double level of of proof, one about the field and the other one about what the halacha is about the field, which is kind of a nice internal move there. All right, so now these two ma'asim, the second ma'asim comes out of a reading of Chazakasheni Matana, claim based on falsehood or a bad reading of the law. In other words, it's saying that, that what is, uh, this is a second reading of what does it mean to have a claim with no narrative. The claim with no narrative is because it's either a false claim or a false reading of the law. And then the third Masah comes out of a reading of the second story's understanding of Chazakashayini Matana, that if you have Right, if you have false evidence, right, it's not really your land. The third amas actually starts out in a much more forceful way, saying Hadar Guda Baara de la Dide, right, that he built the wall on land that wasn't his, as opposed to the somewhat less stringent or less strong Hadar Guda Baara de Chavre. Well, that's not actually less strong. Take that back. They're both pretty strong. Okay. But the third Maaseh comes out of a reading of the second story's understanding that the halacha is that you're not allowed to do that. Then it adds a debate uh, about Rabbi Shimon Elazar's understanding of the halacha and the debate between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. But they're both reading kind of the, the middle part after the Ketzad. What is this? What is this talking about? Okay. Now, the fourth Maaseh, which actually moves us to the end of the Mishnah. Uh, we'll see that in a minute. Hahu Gavra, and this is also a tag back to uh, the earlier casebook of Rava, the famous Rava casebook, uh, in, in its rhetoric. Hahu Gavra didar bekishta beilita arbashani. This guy lived in Kishta or Kisita or Kishita in an attic for four years. Or it could be in upper Kishita. Kishita de Ilita or Kishita beilita. Uh, probably in an attic in Kishita. He lived there four years. And I looked in the Yad Ramah. The Yad Ramah has 40 years. I'm assuming that that's a, uh, uh, just a, a, a toad twist, a scribal error. But who knows? So we're going to go with four years. Atamari de Beta. So the owner of the house in which he was living in the attic came. Ashkechai. And he found him there. All of a sudden, 
What are you doing there, Amarle? So what does he say? My blade behind Beta, what are you doing in my house? Ma'ata Osebetok Shali, as our mission said. Right? What are you doing in my house? Amalami Planya Zavinta Desabnamineus. He says, I bought this from Joe, who bought it from you. Atalakame Drebchia. So he went before Rebchia. Amarle, E. It lachs. Now Rebchia is talking to the guy who's living there. E. It lach sahadi. The darba ihu de zabnat mine vafilu chad yoma. Okimna la biyadach. If you, the guy, you, the guy is living there right now, have a witness that, or witnesses, that the guy you bought it from lived there even one day, then I will leave this loft in your hands. You, you can go on owning this loft. The Elolo, and if not, sorry, you need a witness that shows that, that, that backs up your story. So that's the end of the first part of the story. So the guy has to go and get a witness that he, that the guy he bought it from lived there for even a day. Amarav. So Rav said, Havi ativna kami de Chavivi. I was sitting in front of Chavivi, who's mean, Chavivi might mean my uncle, but Chavivi referring to Rebichia. Rebichia is a transitional figure. He's like the last of, and sometimes called Rebichia Rabba, he's the last of the Tanaim, first of the Amoraim. Rav was a student of his. Um, so Rav was sitting in front of him, meaning he was learning from him. The Amri lay, no, it's not clear whether he was sitting in front of, front of him when that case happened. Could have been. Or he's sitting in front later and Rebchia was recounting the story as a teaching device. Who knows? But he said to him, He said, so Rav said, why does he need a witness to testify that the guy that he bought it from lived there for a full day, could it not be that a person bought it and sold it at night so nobody saw him, right? He's, he's just flipping the house, as we say nowadays, and he just bought it and sold it to the guy who lives there now, but in the same night. Okay, now this is a kind of an, a strange expression. And I saw his, or chazite ledina ledaite, I understood what he was saying. This was the understanding of his opinion. Well, chazite, I understood what he was saying. And this is what he was saying. E amrle kame didi zabna minach meheman migo di bai amrle ana zabinta minach. If the guy who's living there now said that, stand, that when I was there, somebody bought it from you, and then I bought it from him, then he would be believed. Why? Because he could have said, Migo, out of the leverage of him being able to say, if he wanted to, I bought it from you. Right? So, so that, that was uh, uh, Ruhia's answer. And Ruhia's answer is, if the guy is living there now, right? John, who's living in the, in the house now, said that Allison bought it from Mary in front of me. Mary is the one who was claiming... What are you doing in my house? Right? If John had claimed that I saw Allison buy it from Mary and then I bought it from Allison right then, then I would have believed him, Rubchia says. Why? Because he could have claimed, I bought it from Mary. Right? I bought it from you. Okay. 
Amarava kavate de Rebchias Nistabra, and Rava agrees with Rebchia. Why? Dikatani, because it says in our Mishnah, Habami Shem Yerusha Tana. Somebody who comes as an heir does not need a narrative. Okay, so that's not really explained. So hold on a second. But so what is this Chazit Date? So the Yad Rama says, whoa. Rebchia seems to be answering a completely different question that wasn't asked. Rav says, why are you saying, why are you making the claim that he has to have a witness that the previous owner who sold it to him lived there for a whole day? And you're saying that if he would have said, I bought it in front of me, then I would have believed him. Two different things. So here's what the Yad Ramah says, and, and we're going to go with that, because I don't have any better understanding of what he's saying. The Yad Ramah says that what Rabbi actually says, the Chazit Elidate, the Rav understood from Rabbi that the guy who's living there now, his claim was not a bari, right? It was not a definite claim. It wasn't a confident claim. It was a safek. It was a, a shema. It was a possible claim, right? Because he's saying, I bought it from somebody who bought it from you, right? I bought it from somebody. That's, yeah. But who bought it from you is not a claim. He has no idea because he wasn't there, Right? So what Rebchia is saying is that if he had made a definitive claim and he would have said, that standing in front of me, I saw the guy buy it from you or the woman buy it from you and then I bought it from her. In front of me, I saw the whole thing go down. So then Rebchia says, then I would have given him the benefit of the doubt and said that, yeah, you know what? Maybe it would have happened in the same night. So he doesn't need a, a, a witness to say that the person you bought it from lived there for a whole day. But since the claim is not a definitive claim, it's not a bury, it's not a confident claim, but rather a Shema, maybe, could be, I think, I'm pretty sure. I bought it from somebody who said they bought it from you. I didn't see that, right? So that's a Shema, that's a perhaps. So therefore, he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. And therefore, he has to bring a witness who saw the previous owner live there for a whole day. Okay. So now, Rava says that it makes sense to go with Rebchia, who said that you have to bring a witness. Why? Because he says, So if somebody comes as an heir, he doesn't need a, a claim. He doesn't need a claim, but he needs at least proof. And then the Stam says, and he does perhaps he doesn't even need proof, and he doesn't need a tana either. Um, so he says, so maybe actually you're trying to, to learn out from the last line in the Mishnah, which says that an heir that who inherits does not need a claim. And he does not need, so what does that mean? He doesn't need a claim. Maybe he doesn't need a claim. He doesn't need a proof either. He doesn't need anything. And so, therefore, that's Rava's reason for saying the Rebchia is right, because he doesn't actually need anything when he's an heir. But that's different than a buyer, because a buyer is not going to invest for nothing. In other words, without any kind of anything on the table, anything that he's not going to, he's not going to just put his money down on the table. He's not going to put down his money for nothing. He's not going to invest without any kind of assurance that he'll get something back.
So here, this Mishnah, this Mishnah, this Maaseh, is bringing us to the end of uh, the Mishnah, to the last Halachan, the Mishnah of, the, of, of an heir. But it has the same kind of structure, sort of, of a, of a dispute, right? You have a person owns property dispute, um, though here the dispute is very different, the owning property is very different, and this is seems like it's tagging back to the casebook because we had the same my bayat Baha'i Ara. Now, it's an interesting thing about that. That if we go that on 30AB, the bottom of, of 30A, the top of 30B, we have this case. Somebody said to their fellow, what are you doing in this land? He says, I bought it from Plony. Who bought it from you? Did you not just admit that you that this land is mine and you didn't buy it from me? Zeal, so go away. Love Just get off my land. I have nothing to do with you. You bought it from, from Allison. You go run after Allison. Amarava Dina Kamerlan. Rava there says, that is the halacha. Right? That is the halacha. Now, that's exactly our case. Right? If we could have had in the beginning, he says that how Gavra the Dabra Kishta Balita, this guy is living in the in the attic in Kishta, and then the owner of the house came and said, What are you doing here? My bayat Baha'i Beta. Says me planyas of inte desamnaminet. I bought it from Malzin. I bought it from you. He could have just said, um, "Didn't you just admit that it's mine, and you didn't buy it from me? So get out of here. Go run after Allison." But here, Rebbechia didn't say that because the owner of the house didn't make that claim. Right? The owner of the house didn't have a good lawyer. The owner of the house didn't make the claim that the, the owner of the house doesn't make the, didn't make the claim that you just admitted. That it was my house, so therefore, I and then you bought it from somebody else, so I have no idea who that is. So it's the same and it's different, right? That here, Rebchia says, or here he goes to Rebchia, and Rebchia says, You have to bring this whole, this witness because the owner of the house didn't make the simple, straightforward claim. You said that it's my house, you bought it from Allison. Go figure out with Allison what's going on. Okay. So that's a tag book. This looks like it was a part of the case book that like fell out on the floor and then they got up to Mem, Amud, uh, Mem Aleph Amud Bet and they said, oh, this fits in with the Mishnah because we have Rava here saying that it's like Rebchia because of the last line of the Mishnah. Let's put it in here. And then it fits in. And it's one of that's a story with a conflict in the middle, etc. Okay. Finish off the, the Sugya Ibailahu Nirebo Mai. So the question is raised, what happens if a person is seen walking around the land? Is that considered enough of a proof that they were on the land? Now, whether or not this is, is that enough of a proof that they were there for a day and then they sold you? Or is that enough of a proof that that is that kind of a proof that they were there? I'm Rabbi, he, he. Rabbi says, yep. Rav Amar Avid Inish Desire Are Velozavan. Rava says no, and again, once again, we have another Ovid Inish claim by Rava that pe- this is what people do. Sociology, right? People take tour, tour around their property, and they don't buy it, right? People go on, on open house tours, and they end up not buying. Just because you're on an open house tour, or you're walking around somebody's field or somebody's house, doesn't mean that you own, own the field or the house. Doesn't mean, and you can't use that as proof that the house is yours. All right, we've come to an end of this. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed being with us. I enjoyed having you for the last 40 minutes or so. Last daf or so. Thanks so much, as always, to the Daf Shui team. Uh, my amazing producer, 
Ellie Unger Sargon. Check out his podcast with Ellie and Jeff Helmreich for Qubits, continuing in their series with anger, forgiveness, amazing stuff. My amazing Chabruta, talking about amazing stuff. My amazing Chabruta, Charlotte Van Robert. Thanks as always. And also to the communications team, Shachar Cohen Hodas, who's responsible for the great logo for Daf Shui. Want to wish everybody here a, an amazing year, a year of health and safety, moments of joy and refuge in Torah. Now remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. For comments, criticisms, and especially witticisms, the email is thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. I'll put all that onto the podcast page. Have a blessed year. Come back next week so that the sound of Torah will resonate and sound across the land.